1: This is Tomorrow Never Knows. I think this is the last track on Revolver, and people didn't like this. People didn't like this song when Revolver came out. I I don't know why. I think it kind of slaps. I mean, I'm sure it was very weird at the time, but anyway. Reading from a Department of Veterans Affairs press release dated January 5th, 2024. Today, the Department of Veterans Affairs issued a request for application for proposal from its network of VA researchers in collaboration with academic institutions to study the use of certain psychedelic compounds in treating post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. Through this new research opportunity, the VA intends to gather definitive scientific evidence on the potential efficacy and safety of psychedelic compounds such as methylene-dioxymethamphetamine, mdma and psilocybin when used in conjunction with psychotherapy to treat veterans with PTSE, ptsd and depression joining us on the line right now is matthew johnson matthew is a senior researcher at the shepherd pratt center of excellence for psilocybin research and treatment mr johnson welcome to the show thank you thank you glad to be with you and thanks for making time today um it seems like the big breakthrough with this may have come last september there was this big confab in denver with all of these different working groups coming together looking at the available evidence and making recommendations for advancing this type of research johns hopkins had already previously found that psilocybin therapy can ease symptoms of depression for up to a year 86 percent of participants found a clinically meaningful benefit from using mdma to treat post-traumatic stress disorder. These are some really credible organizations issuing these peer-reviewed studies. So what's the level of resistance been in the federal government up to this point and why?
0: Well, I was at Johns Hopkins for 20 years and was involved with all of that work. Uh, actually yesterday was my last day there. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? Wow. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was certainly at the Denver meeting. I mean, this has been building over the last 20 years. That's how long actually I've, I've been doing this work since 2004. Um, and it's – it's uh, the, the the FDA has been cued into this for the last, I would say, six or seven years in terms of generating serious interest. Um, it's really been the results of the studies over time that has has really shocked people. I did work using psilocybin to treat tobacco addiction with astonishingly high results that just stand in con- stark contrast to much of what you see in the field. The same is true, as you said, MDMA for PTSD. Psilocybin for depression, um, and a good colleague's been doing some work on uh, uh, psilocybin for alcoholism. So you get these, it's really the high rates, and you cited some of the stats, like just it's in some of these studies helping most people substantially. Nothing's ever going to help everybody. And so that's what's generated the excitement. The real funding has always been um, kind of a limitation in the field. Um, thankfully, like, you know, the FDA, you know, not taking this seriously that era is has been over. Um, and right now we're just as you alluded to the big thing that's only recent is the government funding, The not just allowing the studies, but the government funding side that's NIH I actually received the first federal grant from the United States in about 50 years to do therapeutic work with these compounds. And that was the work for helping people quit tobacco addiction that I mentioned. But now the DOD, the Department of Defense, um, is also in on it, um, as well as NIH, and, and putting out active calls. In fact, I just submitted a couple of grants uh, a couple of days ago um, to do some of this work. Uh, the National Institute on Drug Abuse part of NIH wants more research like this, and they have money set, set aside to do that work.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the DOD and NIH. I want to talk more about how this alphabet soup of federal agencies are approaching this issue in, I I would assume, pretty different ways. I'll, I'll ask you more about that later. I want to kind of go back in time a little bit. So this is the first time since the 1960s that the VA itself is using VA money to research this stuff. What did they find in the 1960s?
0: Well, the research was at a very early stage back then, and there really was no nothing of the regulation we have today. And, and, but I would say that, that clinically the consensus was that this was very promising. Um, they typically weren't large, randomized, controlled trials and double-blind and all of this, uh, uh, you know, the standards of today. But it was more of sort of like documenting the – the, the the clinical application, you know, um and in and, and, and providing this to people. And and so the two leading areas were helping peop people with cancer related distress, end-of-life anxiety. I actually published mm-hmm. some of that work at Johns Hopkins back in 2016. Um, but the older work was done with LSD, that was the main compound in those days. And um and the other big indication was alcoholism. Um, but there was there was work for a number of other disorders, and and the the military um, that's a complex history because now of course the the interest is in treating PTSD and TBI and similar things, but but of course both the military and then also the CIA were conducting research with these compounds as well, and at least on the CIA side it was. You know, some, some unethical research for sure, you know, mm-hmm. basically uh, giving it to American citizens without their knowledge, um, mm-hmm. recording the effects. Um, and there was also an interest in if these things – actually for decades – to see whether these compounds could be used as interrogation agents or deliriance on the battlefield, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's
1: not funny, but I have sometimes – among friends joked that the cia must have given acid to a bunch of architects in the 70s and had them design the library at the university of new orleans i don't know what other explanation (laughs) there could be for that building it's bizarre (laughs) it's like an mc escher sketch um just a quick aside so va researchers have already done studies on psychedelics using non-va funding did they find the same sorts of results as did the working groups in denver
0: well, the the group in Denver was really it was a convention um, that was kind of the largest in the psychedelic area, um, and I'm I'm not sure they it actually, you know, served a, a regulatory role. It was more of it on the lines of a, a public and, and scientific convention. But but the but nonetheless the, the essentially answer to your question is yes. I mean the. You know the, the the results, for example, MDMA for PTSD. What's been seen um, by by VA researchers who have been asked, you know, some of the sites in that work. I mean, it's 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 very similar to what's been seen outside. So it's it's not, um, you know, it, it's not like we've seen a big difference of that work. And, and a and a good number of the uh, researchers outside of the VA, you know, a good number of their participants have been, you know, wartime. You know mm-hmm. vets with p t s d um with the other biggie being um sexual assault rape victims so so anyway, the experience with with um you know with vets with the military has been pretty substantial at this point, and it's really that a big aspect is the bipartisanship i Some joke this is like ironically uh th- this is m- maybe the most bipartisan issue in the united states right now because (laughs) there has to be one that military and vet aspect. i mean that 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 has attracted conservatives um i mean there are multiple groups that take vets including ones with led by special forces that go down to do ayahuasca that's another psychedelic um, ceremonies Mm -hmm. down in south america and so and reporting just remarkable benefits so really the idea is the united states of america we need to be expanding this world-class research and treatment you know here people shouldn't you know hey they can but they shouldn't have to go to a third world country to to, to get this type of relief so that's really attracted understandably you know more conservative elements um a lot of people were surprised rick Perry years ago mm-hmm. got really and he was actually at the denver convention as a speaker no kidding You know, so, and, and a number of other folks i mean um uh, I, I know people that uh, were in the Trump administration that were um, real supporters of, of, of this work. Um, there's a, and, and then of course there's strong support from from Democrats as well. Um, it's again, it's 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 a very bipartisan issue. I mean, it's weird where we've ended up <laughs> where psychedelics, at least in terms of using them yeah. to help psychiatric disorders is one of the least controversial political things. <laughs> that is wild. I, At least in terms of the research. Like, we need yeah. data. Do it safely and, and examine the good, the bad, the ugly. But, you know, the need is, is so strong. And, I mean, obviously, yeah. outside of vets, depression, addictions. I mean, we know the lifespan of Americans has been decreasing for several years, mm-hmm. bucking the trend that has been in place for decades and decades of, like, we've been living longer than our – you know parents and grandparents now that's going reverse and to the two reasons why are addiction and suicide and so we these psychedelics are never nothing's ever going to treat everyone but these are some of the most promising treatments to to at least potentially treat you know a good number of people that aren't being helped right now and um, we need to do everything we can as a society to kind of explore these things responsibly
1: mhm mm-hmm, heard Um, I'm glad you mentioned politics. I wanted to ask about the the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2024 set aside the money for uh, the study of psychedelics within military populations, which is great. Everybody loves that. And just like you said, there's bipartisan agreement that that's a good thing. The least we can do is get the data. Is there concern that that arrangement may, may be at some risk in the future due to political considerations That whoever the next president is, or if something changes in these agencies? I guess my question is, have we kind of hit a high water mark here or is it a chance that this money is going to go away and this funding is going to go away and this research will be suspended?
0: Yeah, I, I my impression at this point, um, while is that it's it probably wouldn't fall along traditional um, uh, political divides. In other words, I think if if if. if if there's less funding or kind of a le- less political support for this stuff in the future it's going to be because we learn more things about the results and I don't think this is going to be the case but if we found that the the results aren't holding up like some of the earlier studies or I, I do think more realistically if we don't do the treatment well if we see more side effects out there more extreme adverse reactions that um, if, again if we don't do the treatments right especially once they get approved if we don't have the high standards that some of the university research um, has been implementing, then we'll, we'll see some casualties. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. there's risks to every procedure, you, know, you name it, you know, surgeries, even minor surgeries, but there, you know, there are some idiosyncratic reactions and we need to, to psychedelics. These are powerful tools that can affect the mind. And there is a chance you can make people worse. I think that's mm-hmm. very dependent on how it's done and the care that's provided. And and, and and the taking of the right people it's not for everyone and so there's methods to screen people and to to make those judgments but if we but if things become kind of a, kind of a wild west in terms of the treatment world then there is the potential for seeing some you know horror stories and I think that does have the potential for a backlash or a, a decrease in interest but I wouldn't see I wouldn't predict it would it would be because of, of say, a conservative backlash, mm-hmm. um, you know, because of a, because of, a, cause of a, a tough on drugs. Kind of, I think thankfully we were past those days, but I think it would be more in the lines I was describing.
1: Great. And in, in regards to uh, tough on drugs, I've, in my imagination, I've never worked in any of the agencies or, you know, anything like that. But are there I, I know that there must be, but I would like for you to tell me about the differences in, in philosophical approaches from NIH, from the Food and Drug Administration, from the Department of Defense, from the Drug Enforcement Agency. I know in particular the DEA, the way that they feel about this sort of thing is is pretty hardened Uh, I think because obviously it's, you know, part of their mission statement. It's baked into their DEA, their resistance to, you know, just for example, something that I consider to be low hanging fruit, rescheduling cannabis, marijuana. Right. But the DEA is on board with this. So how are these agencies coming together? What's that collaboration been like?
0: Well, everyone has their different piece and what they're charged to do. And as you described, the DEA has been favorable to this research, and what by, I mean by that is that if you get the FDA approval and you have the funding and the IRB, that, which is, means the ethics board at your university or your hospital, approves it, the DEA is going to approve it. I mean, they've got to, you know, say, like, show us you have a safe and show us your security procedures, but if you – you know, they've been – you know, same thing with the FDA, but – the, the, the DEA has not blocked this research when when you have the appropriate um, steps in place and I think that's because the difference with cannabis is all of this well it, there are some exceptions we could talk about that if you want to at the at the local and state level in terms of there's a ballot of in, in, in Oregon to approve you know uh, uh, you know legal, you know, administration sessions under a state law, but ninety-nine percent of this area, which you've probably heard about in the news, is also the FDA process, actually more analogous to the approval of Marinol back in that's the prescription THC back in the eighties, which is essentially you know, there's zero controversy today. That the, mm-hmm. the controversy is about local initiatives for you know, using cannabis itself and the legalization or medical use, recreational use of that, which is in, technically in conflict with federal law. None of that is at play with the, the psychedelic research. Um, you know, there are the exemptions to use the scheduled compounds. So if you get the DEA permission and FDA approval for the research, you're not breaking any federal laws. And then as these, as MDMA and psilocybin go through the path and, 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 uh, the FDA approval path and and F, and MDMA for PTSD is probably about six months away from getting approved. The FDA has yet to make their final decision, wow. but they're on a time clock now, and um, so it's going to be in about six months. But that's for that's gone through the same pathway that every sort of um, you know prescription medication that you're aware of has gone through that's approved by the FDA, it would be under different rules. Like it has to be used in a clinic and there are plenty of drugs that are like that, plenty of medications, you know, they, you know, the stuff they use to knock you out in surgeries, like Mm -hmm. they don't give you to take home. It'd be more like that has to be done in the right uh, space with the right supervision, but it's going through that FDA pathway, not through a local ballot initiative. Again, there are some cases of that going on, but that's not most of what we're talking about. And that's, and so once you get, MDMA and or psilocybin approved that makes it legal nationally for medical use for you know people with the appropriate you know licenses and you know who have medical degrees and who are able to um, you know have the infrastructure to do this type of clinical work.
1: Mm -hmm. Great Matthew I have time for just one more and I, I think it may be the most important thing I ask. I know that in our audience there are former and active service members There are civilians who suffer with PTSD and depression. What advice would you give to them in this moment in terms of what they should be paying attention to? Are there newsletters that they should be subscribing to? What do they ask their doctors? I mean, how do they keep this issue in front of them so that they get the soonest possible benefit from it, whenever that is?
0: Yeah, one thing I'd say is just uh, that... Please don't see anything as a silver bullet, as your as your last hope. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that treatment persistence across any number of disorders is so predictive of, you know, even if sometimes it's your, you know, tenth serious kind of like engagement with treatment. So no matter what we're talking about, like, you know, and so psychedelic treatment may fail for plenty of people. Um, so that can be demoralizing because of the great, you know, there's so much hype around it and and, and appropriate excitement about it. So people can see it in that light. So it's not going to work for everyone. So don't get your hopes up for anything. But there, there absolutely is hope for staying, you know, engaged in treatments. Many of the effective psychotherapies. Again, nothing works for everyone, but they. Um, they take persistence of actually getting through it. Take a lot of sessions to talk about the sources of the trauma and that can be very difficult, but we know that it's good data on, especially if you stick with it, they can be extremely helpful. So, so I just want to, you know, a word of encouragement to folks for just remain engaged in treatment. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on those around you who want to see you get better. Um, but, you know, to, to, you know, in terms of this area yeah, you know, pay attention to it. Um there's, um, you know any number of resources, you know, out there. I mean, probably the leading at the leading edge of this work with PTSD is, is the group MAPS, M A P S, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. They've sponsored that work. That's is is poised to potentially be approved by the FDA. I know have, they have a, a great website with plenty of resources on it. So that's one one way to to stay engaged. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's plenty of uh, of, of sources out there as well. Michael Pollan is an author who's well known. He wrote a book, yeah. How to Change Your Mind. And a couple people are asking work. about
1: Michael Pollan, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's thankfully no lack of resources out there for people to great. to follow with an interest in this work.
1: Excellent. Uh we'll pause there. Matthew Johnson is a senior researcher at the Shepherd Pratt Center of Excellence for psilocybin research and treatment. Really interesting conversation. Thank you so much for your time, your work and your way. Have a great weekend.
0: My pleasure. You too. All
1: right. Take good care. When we come back, I'm going to talk to John in Waveland and a couple others lining up here on the talk and text line. I got room for your call and your text. Five zero four two six zero one eight seventy. Get in touch. I'm Ian Hoke, and for Scoot, stick with us.